Welcome back, my friends. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday to the Benzinga Cannabis Zinger Nation. Always a pleasure to chat with you live. Elliot Lane here flying solo, y'all. Producer AT, you know, I gave him the option to come on as voice of God. He turned me down. I want you all to know that. I am not holding him back. He's holding himself back. That being said, really, really happy you're with us. D. Smith, what's up, man? Thank you so much for dropping a what's up in the chat. Blessings to you, too. Oh, that's a great one. Blessings. I feel good now. Um, we have a few stocks, a few bits of public coverage happening today. Uh, some legislative news always happening every morning. Um, I think we're waiting for the lame duck session now. Uh, but we have two amazing interviews today. We are going to be chatting with Tara Martin, Chief of Staff at Forefront Ventures, and two vice presidents at KDS Search and Recruiting. So we're going to talk about the actual employment side of executives in the industry, as it seems to be uh, definitely a bit of contention with executives right now, looking at Turning Point Brands, nicely listed TPB. They just lost their CEO after 10 months only. 10 months, y'all. That's, that's crazy. So that being said... Drop your favorite cannabis stocks in the chat. I'd be able to get to, to a few of them and what we think here. Tiny Pie Media, Ganja Insider, what is up? Brian DC, good day. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Few news items for you. If you all know the Nevada market, you probably know Flower One, uh, OTC listed F-L-O-O-F, best cannabis ticker in the game, Floof. It's going away, y'all. They filed a CCAA with the Canadian... Uh, I believe whatever their SEC is uh, up there, the Supreme Court of Canada, uh, and they're looking to return to being private and restructure. So that being said, uh, we will lose Floof relatively shortly. Possibit POSAF on the OTC continuing their solid string of good reports. I don't know if you all follow the ancillary tech side but Possibit just continuing to snowball downhill. Uh, they're in the New York market. They have contracts in four other markets, I think taking them close to 25 markets right now uh, as the POS provider. Uh, past that, we have Avicana, ABC, and F, a new education portal. Uh, and then last but not least, Knox and Cookies. They are teaming up for a new dispensary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure what happened to the Gage partnership. Maybe it's still in effect. I thought Gage had an exclusive partnership with Cookies in Michigan, but apparently not. Uh, Knox, a really, really cool up-and-coming private operator in the state, uh, now partnering with Cookies in Grand Rapids. Kronos Group, Aurora, Tilray. Oh, Nathan, I know. No more floof. Uh, Canopy. You guys are obsessed with Canadian stocks over here. Uh, CGC, Canopy Growth. They are getting out of the retail game as of, I guess, a week and a half ago in Canada. Uh, BioSteel continues to roll downhill in terms of partnerships with major league professional uh, sports associations. Uh, they obviously have Martha Stewart. They have a lot of great CBD lines in the U.S. They are, of course, expanding internationally as well. They have a history in Africa, but they are moving out of a Canadian market that is currently in a state of crisis. I don't know if you all saw the article from the Star this morning, but Canada uh, there are Canadian CEOs asking for help from the federal government, such as Tantalus Labs and others saying they will have to shut down soon. It actually seems like Canopy Growth made the right move getting out of the brick and mortar side uh, of Canadian 
uh, growth. Kronos Group stays relatively quiet, C-R-O-N on the NASDAQ. That being said, they are relatively strong uh, market cap wise, but they, they tend to stay out of the fray unless they have really good news to report. So I haven't heard from them in a good bit. Uh, Aurora ACB claiming one of the cleanest balance sheets in international cannabis. They're restructuring their debt as of late last week. Uh, I really do think ACB has cleaned up their act massively over the past eight to 12 months. ACB, honestly, you got to give uh, Aurora Cannabis uh, a shout out here. ACB uh, ha- has actually taken a massive step up. Obviously, stock-wise, uh, Leviosa, come on, man, is Aurora dead? You just had to say that as I was saying, Aurora, big shout out. No, Aurora is not dead. They are they are doing some really cool things overseas, taking advantage of the European market. One of a few companies poised to take over uh, in that side of the world. Uh, and they also have some African activations as well. Uh, and, you know, they are a leading brand in ACB. Oh, we got Leafly and Uber Eats partnership is cool. D. <laughs> okay, we got some uh, uh, some issues in the chat going on, y'all. But let me say this: it is always always news when a company like Uber gets involved in cannabis. That being said, in the U.S., it will not be as easy. Uh, it, there's different licensing structures in each and every state. There's different requirements for companies to handle the plant in each and every state. And Uber Eats will have to go through those requirements. And cannabis is very, very focused on having at least 50% of licenses focused on social equity applicants. And I don't think Uber Eats uh, applies. Uh, So that being said, Uber Eats, big news, Leafly, big partnership, NASDAQ listed LFLY. Uh, I think they're a massive tech company. This is big news for them. And and I I like it. I just don't think Uber Eats is going to have that active of uh, of, uh, of a news item in the U.S., at least at first. Tesla and cannabis, I mean, probably eventually. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how yet unless they, they license their clean tech to maybe some growers. I will say sustainability is a massive issue uh, for packaging, for water, for waste, for, for cannabis growers specifically. So if you can combine that with maybe his battery power, uh, for some of these and, and some of, you know, something of that likes initiative, then maybe, I don't know, man, <laughs> I'm just trying to give you some opportunity there. Uh, do I think we bottomed? No financial advice here. Um, no, I don't think we bottomed. I think we will continue to dive uh, until we see something happen in the lame duck session. Cory Booker has said multiple times, that he thinks something will happen in the lame duck session multiple times, I should clarify, since Biden's executive action. And Cory Booker, in my honest opinion, him and Chuck Schumer were the main obstacles for anything happening on the federal level. Uh, But hopefully that is passed with Biden taking some of the social equity pressure and social, I'm sorry, criminal justice pressure off of uh, the Senate and the legislative branch. So Hopefully that gave you guys something to think about on the cannabis side. Lots and lots of stocks to watch. If I'm looking at anything for the rest of the year, I'm keeping an eye on MSOS. I'm keeping an eye on Weed Maps uh, and keeping an eye on some of the tier one operators. If you check out New Cannabis Ventures, though, he's very adamant that you should be looking at the tier two operators. Maybe the likes of uh, one of the operators we're having on our show today. Forefront Ventures, FFNTF on the OTC 
And with that being said, D. Smith, Leviosa, R. Every Tuesday, Thursday, 4 Eastern time, subscribe to Benzinga Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Uh, you just drop that in the search bar. It'll come right up. Uh, with that being said, let's get to Tara Martin, Chief of Staff at Forefront Ventures, going to talk about a really, really cool initiative that probably should be something we talk about much more in the cannabis industry. Aaron, let's bring over Tara. Tara, how are you? Welcome in. Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. Honestly, I'm thrilled. You know, that we talk to cannabis executives legitimately twice a week, all about business, all about how they're growing, you know, what to look forward to. We don't talk enough about how we're actually affecting our communities, how we're actually affecting each other, uh, and how we can help each other live better lives. But you have taken your platform as the chief of staff at a major MSO, uh, and you're doing just that. Can you talk a little bit about the initiative that you've started? Yes. So I'm the executive director and founder of the Pink Gene Foundation. Uh, the foundation was founded in 2013 during my battle with stage three breast cancer. And during that time, actually the day that I was diagnosed was my first day of training as a salesperson for one of the first legalized cannabis companies in Washington. So very, very uh, exciting that I was able to combine cannabis and cancer together, specifically breast cancer. And I'm honored to share my story today. I wanted to start the Pink Gene Foundation, one, because it was a disease that had affected my family. My grandmother, mother, great grandmother were all breast cancer um, carriers and survivors. My grandmother died of breast cancer with her third bout. And um, it really touched me and I, I needed to take action in really getting awareness out to the younger community. And at the time I was 28 years old and um, breast cancer support is usually targeted towards women that and men that are 45 years of age because that's when you can actually be screened for breast cancer through mammogrammy. Um, so Pink Gene Foundation, we have three three initiatives that we focus on, awareness, resources, research. Um, over the past two years, we've taken this campaign with Forefront Ventures nationally, um, expanded into all of our states where our mission stores are present, Illinois and Massachusetts. On our wholesale program, we're running the campaign in California, Washington, Illinois, Massachusetts, and we have three categories of products, um, vapes, flower, edibles, all of our pink jean stickered products are being $1, one dollar will be donated back to the foundation after each product is sold. I love that. Just to clarify really quickly. So not all of your products at Forefront are, are have that pink sticker, correct? Not all of them. No. And In I'm, each sorry. Yeah, go ahead. All right, just, just really quick clarification. Um, have you seen consumer support shift toward um, the products with pink stickers? I mean, you've been running this since you said 2017, I think. Is that something that you all have tracked or is it just, um, you know, Forefront is obviously offering the platform to help uh, and, and give back? 
Yeah, great question. You know, each year we strive to make the campaign better and better. And because of our core values aligning, setting goals for the campaign, communicating to our internal teams and our customers, and then following up has really made the campaign more successful each year. And I think over time, we have seen an increase in um, donations from Forefront because we're expanding the campaign and we're communicating out to the public more and more. I love that. Now, has Pink Jean being you know its own agency here, uh, are you looking to work with other cannabis operators or is this strictly a partnership with Forefront to build uh, a branch into cannabis and you're working in other industries and sectors and doing the same thing there? Pink Jean is open to working with other cannabis organizations and companies, ancillary companies. I think that there's such a great niche for cannabis and breast cancer because mm -hmm. there's so many different, no matter what journey a breast cancer fighter is going through, whether it's chemo, natural healing, there's a different type of product for each person going through chemo. It's really hard on the body. And so Pink Jean's mission is to really touch as many people as possible. And so a part of our mission is teaming up with as many organizations as possible in order to get the word out. I love that. It's fantastic. And I mean, we have a great article uh, for everybody watching on Benzinga.com called Breast Cancer Awareness, How Can Marijuana Companies Help? There are a few companies getting involved, like Forefront, like GTI, like Verano. Uh, would you say, though, with how medicinally involved the cannabis industry is and how the medicinal community has really been the backbone uh, of where cannabis is today, have you... Do you think that enough companies in this industry are doing enough for and giving back to those cannabis patients? You know, I think there's always room for growth when it comes to giving back. I think That's it's such a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you touched that right when we opened up today and there's always room for giving back. I mean, some of the smaller outreach initiatives that we do for Pink Jean Foundation um, I'm a, I'm a new mom. And when I went through, um, my birth with my son, I, I did have a preventative double mastectomy and, um, I wasn't able to breastfeed. And so during the month of October, after we've closed out the campaign, we're going to be delivering signs to birthing centers across the country that will explain that the mother is a survivor and for the lactation nurses to really um, nurture them and not ask them questions that are going to make them uncomfortable because people are, women really take that to heart and it's hard for them. And I think just small little things like that, there's so many different areas that people can always do an extra effort in giving back, especially when it comes to medical and cancer. Yeah. And just to echo that, I am a new dad as well. Congrats to you. Uh, I'm six weeks into my first child and I have learned that breastfeeding is, uh, it, it is a very personal, um, uh, you know, personal way to bond with your child. Um, so I mean, yeah. it, it is absolutely something that I applaud for, for you all uh, to be doing for sure. So in, in terms of getting involved, you said you're across all the states you're in, Washington, Illinois, Massachusetts, are those the main three? Uh, Washington, Massachusetts, and Illinois. 
Fantastic. So uh, if you are in any of those states, if you see a Forefront branded product with a pink sticker on it, that goes back to Tara Martin's, uh, you said, Pink Gene Foundation. Any any last words you know, for this audience? Generally tends to be more financially or investment focused. Uh, they also have a passion for, for cannabis use as well. Uh, but in terms of awareness uh, and being involved in terms of giving back to the medical community, uh, can you leave us with any last thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in Pinktober. Everyone knows October's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But one thing I always want to share is breast cancer isn't just only in October. It's all year long. Every two minutes, someone is diagnosed with breast cancer, men or women, and one in eight women will be diagnosed. So it's definitely the leading cause of cancer outside of skin cancer. And it's something we need to really always take action towards supporting. Absolutely. Tara Martin, Chief of Staff at Forefront Ventures, OTC listed FFNTF. Tara, thank you so much for being here. Massive applause for you uh, and your colleagues for bringing awareness and bringing support to the, to the cancer community through cannabis. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Elliot. All right. Talk to you soon. Awesome. A really amazing interview. Really appreciate Tara being here with us today. Uh, Forefront, uh, applause to them as well uh, for doing this. Not every cannabis company in such an, uh, in a very difficult environment to have a clean balance sheet would offer money back uh, for an entire month. So, uh, you know, props to them. Go and check out that article on Benzinga.com. Again, the title is Breast Cancer Awareness, How Can Marijuana Companies Help? And with that being said, we're going to dive into a little bit more back into the business side. We're going to talk about executives, about their, their background, about what cannabis companies are looking for, uh, about the turnover rate right now. We're going to get all the insights on employment in cannabis right now in the next 10 to 15 minutes. We have KDS Green Cannabis Search, VP of Client Success, Greg Feldman, and VP of Practice Lead, Michael Klein. Gents, gents, welcome in. Thank you so much. How are you? Good. How are you, Elliot? Oh, we are solid. We're, we're having a good day. We have a great audience, very engaged. I'm asking the audience now if you have any questions about being employed in cannabis, probably on the executive side, as we're going to see here in a bit. But I'd love to hear from you guys, so I don't take all of your thunder. Uh, Michael or Greg, whoever wants to dive in about your participation in the industry, tell us a bit about it. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, it's a good story. Uh, the way we got into the cannabis industry is we were doing work for one of the, I would say, most successful private equity firms in Massachusetts. I was good friends with the head of HR there. Uh, she told me she was leaving there. And keep in mind, no one leaves that company. It, it was that high profile. <laughs> she left there. She calls me a few months later and says, I'm going to work for a little cannabis firm. We're about 35 employees. Can you help us? And that little cannabis company was Cureleaf. So, <laughs> okay. Really, over the next two years, we fully educated ourselves on the cannabis culture, the nuances, and the unique challenges from the recruiting side of the industry. And 60 successful placements later, we helped build their corporate, regional, and functional leadership teams. Fantastic. What other what other industries are you all working in currently? Uh, we do work in Salesforce. 
and we do work in logistics. Fantastic. Wow. So, <laughs> Salesforce logistics and cannabis. Yeah. I mean, tell me about which industry you guys have the most fun in. Uh, let's be real about that. Yeah. It's got to be Salesforce, it's, it's, right? It's definitely <laughs> cannabis. Um, it's always exciting. It's always new. It's always changing. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can dive in here, but you know, I, I ask this uh, to most executives that come on here or have for several years, and, and that's background. You know, when it when it comes to the backgrounds that you see in cannabis, do you think one is more successful? I'll, I'll clarify. You know, we see financial backgrounds, investment bankers, we see legacy growers, we see uh, CFOs and operation COOs being promoted. Is there a particular background that if I'm an investor and I look at that CEO, I can feel pretty encouraged by how he's going to lead this industry or that company forward? You know, we see a lot of companies looking for a traditional large CPG background, I would say. I would say that's the most sought after background for a variety of positions within the industry. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, CPG, though, I would say, do you think that this is an active search? Because I think CPG and brand, you know, being brand focused right now is a, is a conversation within the industry about us probably being in the very infantile stages. So yeah. uh, I would imagine there's going to be quite a bit of turnover until we actually get to where we want to go. Do you think that statement is anywhere close to being accurate? It's very accurate. Um, you know, I find cannabis firms are you know, at all different stages, they're constantly trying to hire for the stage that they're in. Uh, it's hyper growth. So what was good at one stage is no longer good for the next stage. So it leads to it leads to a, a turnover for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but they're always changing and they're always needing a different set of skills, a different set of backgrounds that are, enable them really to scale at the level they're looking to scale. And Greg, real quick, man, client success and VP of client success. I mean, good Lord, you, you have a big title there for a recruitment firm. So what does that mean? What, what do you do for the company? I'm a big guy. So it's, so it's like, <laughs> um, you know, honestly, you know, we are fortunate. We happen to be very good at what we do. Um, and as a result, um, we bring on a handful of new clients each year uh, because the clients that we do work with continue uh, to continue to grow with us. Um, and we're fortunate enough to get great referrals from them. Um, so my job is really to uh, to interface with folks in the community um, at different stages of their of their growth cycle and. Um, and identify sort of who is aligned, who is committed, uh, who is really committed to the search process, to the hiring process, um, and basically find alignments with uh, with their commitment to uh, being employee focused, um, as as obviously we are, um, because what we're looking to do is we're not looking to fill roles, we're looking to place people for the long haul at organizations. I apologize. Uh, it's been quiet all day, and the landscape is just, uh, <laughs> just came by. Um, okay. And With all the construction we've had on this show, we could have built a whole skyscraper at this point. <laughs> so, you know, keep that. So but you said something that, that, that rings very interesting to me, and that's employee, uh, being for the employee, being for employee success. One of my good friends in the industry has said it many times uh, that 
companies just need to be good to their people, be good to their employees. And he says it at every time. And I, I, I haven't actually asked him this. So I, this is I'm making a mental note to ask him about this later. He says it like it's not happening. It's well, again, a lot of there's a lot of folks who are still stuck in the employees work for me. Um, and it's really, you know, the most successful companies, uh, the most successful leadership understands that their role is to provide their employees with the excuse me, with um, the resources and the support that they need in order to best take care of their customers. So leadership takes care of employees. Employees takes care of customers. Customers takes care of leadership and ownership by way of increased revenue. And that is that is the cycle that we look for in clients um, because we believe in that wholeheartedly and we see it. Uh, we see it work um, over and over again uh, as opposed to seeing it not work when, when you have clients who, or when you have uh, ownership or leadership who uh, assume, you know, who expect that the candidates or the employees are there to please or serve them. Um, but when you, so when you become an employee focused organization and a customer focused organization, you tend to have a much better flow. You tend to have much, uh, much lower uh, turnover and much higher, uh, higher levels of morale and productivity. So mm-hmm. we're constantly look, we're looking for opportunities uh, to partner with those companies and we're looking for, uh, we look for candidates who thrive in those environments. Mm, I love that. Michael, anything you want to add in terms of how you can compare cannabis to other industries in terms of employee happiness? You know, cannabis companies have a lot of challenges due to the growth that they see, meaning some of them are growing at such fast speeds. Company culture is something that a lot of cannabis firms certainly struggle with. I mean, so many candidates, especially in cannabis, have been burned by people and companies told something that turned out not to be true, or that maybe the company ran into a rough patch and changed directions. So what's critical for these companies is the people who are doing the hiring, and I mean the people who are making the first impressions the entire candidate experience, both on the interview side and in the actual work environment, is absolutely critical in attracting and retaining employees. And I think a lot of companies struggle with that. Now, just to, I promise I'm not going to harp on this too much longer, but (laughs) looking at state to state, right? Market to market. You know, I think we looked at some stats about a couple months ago in Canada, and I think it's some crazy statistic of like 50 or 60% of new bud tenders within the first month are quitting. Yeah. It, it, does it, does that kind of a stat differ from market to market in terms of what cannabis companies are able to do, how they're able to structure their company, how they're able to structure their sales? Well, I'll, I'll, saying, I'll, I'll jump okay. in on that for, for a second. Um, just to clarify, uh, you know, we, KDS Green specializes in, in leadership and, and executives. Um, but what we do know from, you know, th- this industry is quite unique um, as, you know, as sort of modern cannabis or legalized cannabis came into play. Uh, you have a lot of uh, you have thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who thought their dream finally came true. Um, 
They were excited. There was an allure to, you know, actually being able to uh, dedicate their career to a career in cannabis, um, on for, uh, especially on the hourly level. Unfortunately, uh, many folks realized um, that the glamour, you know, the, the glamour that they were that they were expecting was not there. And it really wasn't, you know, the, as far as bud tender roles in retail or or, or trimmers and production, uh, that it's not unlike um, any other role um, or labor intensive jobs. And uh, so they choose to move on. So as far as uh, the high uh, rate of turnover on the hourly level, that's been fairly consistent from uh, from day one, uh, as, as day one in the, in the modern space, as you had a big rush and then and then unfortunately. Uh, you know, uh, an eye-opening experience where where it wasn't all it, what it was all cracked up to be. Um, so that's why you know we, we know you know folks like Vanks who specialize in in that space have you know had significant growth through the years um, mm-hmm. as there's so much churn in, in that space and there's a constant need for that talent. Well, now, oh sorry, go ahead, Michael. Well, I just wanted to interject there and say that uh, if fifty percent are quitting, you know, is that fifty percent quitting or? 50% being fired. Um, you know, I think overall it comes down to a lot of times it was a poorly executed interview process. <laughs> it's entirely possible that the company didn't know what they wanted to hire, hired the wrong person, something failed along the way. Mm-hmm. So but, I'm sorry, just to get another quick question in here before we run out of time. Um, I'd love to understand you guys look at these federal potential uh, game changers, yeah. you know, from, from Congress. That could happen in the lame duck session. Does something like that, when you open banking for this industry, for these mid to small size businesses, perhaps spurning their growth and becoming uh, more active clients for you in the future? Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. I could be making leaps there. Uh, but when it comes to safe banking, when it comes to federal change, does that change the caliber of executive that comes to you wanting to work in this industry and be placed? It would have to. You know, the caliber of individuals that are coming to us now to work in the cannabis industry is shockingly high. And it's been that way for a long time. I mean, you wouldn't know any difference virtually from what we're hiring for the cannabis clients that we deal with versus hiring for a really well, you know, brand name CPG company. So wow. we're, we're hiring very high, you know, talent levels. Um, and I think that uh, that would certainly only increase if federal legal, legalization occurred. Right. As, you know, as far as the other part of your question, you know, as far as, you know, well, the smaller organizations are getting banking, they're getting an opportunity to grow. You know, it, it, it remains to be seen, right? Because you've got, mm-hmm. you've got, you know, billions of dollars on the sidelines right now in the, and big pharma and, and, you know, wine and spirits and, and tobacco who are all waiting uh, till this becomes, you know, federally legal, which could uh, end up resulting in just a major vacuuming up of every player in the space, every small mid-sized player in the space. And, you know, becomes, you know, there becomes a few players that, uh, that are conglomerates, just like, uh, just like the wine and spirits industry is now. Hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it, and obviously that's where, that's where a big part of the land grab in the, 
over the past few years have been for a lot of organizations who are looking to get as many licenses as they can um, in order to be positioned to be goggle, gobbled up when that happens. So it, it will be very interesting to see, uh, assuming you know federalization comes comes to pass, sort of how that how that ends up playing out in the, in the landscape of the industry. I got to tell you, Greg, there are a lot of industry advocates who are cringing at that thought mm-hmm. <laughs> of the conglomerates in this space. There's a lot of of uh, of work going into legalizing this right now to do the exact opposite of that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying I'm rooting yeah. for it. I'm just saying that sure. I mean, that that seems to be that seems to be the 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 game that that's being set up for the past obviously few years. As you've got, you know, you've got these organizations dipping their toe either in, in you know uh, a, a large investment in a Canadian organization or 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 what mm-hmm. have you. Um, you know, you you have to expect that that it is coming um, because first of all, they have the facilities, they have the know how. Uh, the ability to the ability to sort of flip the switch on pharmaceutical grade uh, cannabis would be quite easy for uh, for pharmaceutical organization. Absolutely. So, gents, we are at time here. Really appreciate it. Greg Feldman, VP of Client Success. Michael Klein, VP of Practice Lead, KDS Green Cannabis Search. Uh, where can they find you? Do you have a website we can they can take Here's a look at? KDSGreen.com. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn as well. And uh, happy to talk to. Uh, Happy to talk to anyone who wants to. Fantastic. Greg, Michael, thank you, Jen, so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Be well. Elliot, thank you, and congratulations on the baby. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. You can probably hear her. (laughs) See you guys. Awesome. Great, great interview with those guys. Super insightful. Honestly, I love talking to recruiters. Uh, I love talking to staffers in this space. The stats just give you so much juice over what's actually happening in the cannabis space. So follow KDS, follow Hunter Esquire, follow Vanks, follow Cannabis Team, follow Flower Hire. These people give you actual insights into the health of the industry. Uh, At least that's my perspective from the interview that we just had. Thank you guys. So we're going to do one quick thing because he's asked twice for it. Is it Tommy Touch looking for Sundial S-N-D-L? Let's bring up that chart. Uh, look at that. I think they were up like almost 1.8% earlier today. Seems to have leveled out. Uh, that being said, SNDL in is just killing the game in, in my mind. When you, it, We're talking about corporate cannabis, y'all. So uh, very different from the end of our conversation we just had. But SNDL uh, with Alcana, uh, they are, their distribution network uh, is massively increasing with that acquisition. They are acquiring Valance, VLNS on the NASDAQ. And they're going to get a solid, solid amount of revenue. I think Balance just reported $20 million last quarter. So, I mean, they're getting another really nice boost uh, of operational workflow there. Uh, so, for me, SNDL is – I've been bullish on them for a while. They probably will go the way legalization goes, as all can- Canadian uh, and international NASDAQ-listed stocks do. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter how good SNDL is doing since their meme stock phase – Tilray, Canopy, Aurora, Kronos, Sundial, Village Farms are all going to be affected by what happens at the end of this year in the lame duck session with Congress. So just keep that in mind. Uh, But when it comes to Sundial, I think they're actually, I think Zach George has done an incredible job capitalizing on their mean stock phase from early 2021. With that being said, that's it, ladies and gents, for today. I'm, I'm, I'm down one. I'm down Javier Jase, our managing director of Benzinga Cannabis News Desk. 
he is not feeling well today. He's also traveling, so hope he doesn't get anybody on the plane sick. Uh, but that being said, we miss him. We'll hopefully see him Thursday for some more great interviews. Thursday, Benzinga YouTube for Eastern Time. Be there, be square. Share this podcast with your friends, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you want to listen to past podcasts. We have a ton of interviews on there uh, surrounding the cannabis space. Appreciate everybody. D. Smith, Leviosa R, Tommy, you guys have a wonderful day.